I'm Gregory Berg. The following morning show interview was recorded back in 2013. Enjoy. Well, if there is anything that people think of uh, as the month of December rolls around, it is the baking of cookies. And so what a nice interview we can have for you today with P.J. Hamill, who is a uh, senior editor with the King Arthur Flower Company. They are responsible for a, a stunning new book called The King Arthur Flower Cookie Companion, The Essential Cookie Cookbook. And it's published by Countryman Press. And this book is really a wonderful journey through the beautiful world of cookies and uh, talks about how uh, Americans in particular have a real love affair with the cookie. And it takes us through the uh, essential kinds of cookies and uh, through a number of, of, of different ideas on how to make your cookies even better. And I'm really grateful to P.J. Hamill for making uh, time in her busy schedule to uh, join us for a few minutes to uh, talk about this book, again called The King Arthur Flower Cookie Companion. P.J. Hamill, we welcome you to The Morning Show. Thanks, Greg, and hello to everyone in Milwaukee. Good to have you here. Uh, tell us first a little bit about the King Arthur Flower Company. Well, King Arthur Flower is the United States' oldest flower company. We were founded in 1790 in Boston, and uh, we've been going strong ever since. Um, uh, the company mills flour and sells it to home bakers all over the country and also to professional bakers, and along with that we have a catalog of of baking tools and ingredients, everything the home baker would need. Very good. One of the things you said is that uh, Americans really love to do baking, but baking is also something which uh, scares a lot of people. It's a relatively complicated kind of cooking, or I, I should say we, we sort of view it that way. Talk for us a moment about uh, the way in which people are uh, sometimes a bit hesitant about baking. Well, I think unlike cooking where you can throw a little extra wine into the chicken cacciatore, um, in baking you don't want to throw a little extra of something into the cookies unless it's chocolate chips or something like that. <laughs> because baking is as much science as art, and you really do have to pay attention to the amount of baking soda versus the amount of butter versus the amount of flour and liquid. And they all go together to create uh, cookies with beautiful texture and flavor, but you do have to follow directions. So if you can read, you should be able to bake. Hmm. As you were describing that, it occurs to me that um, when you're whipping up your favorite spaghetti sauce on the on the stovetop, it's sort of an easy thing to taste as you go and uh, add your spices or add a little water or whatever. But I suppose there's something about the fact that you take these take these cookies, take these globs of batter, and you're putting them in an oven away from your direct touch, away from your ability to uh, to taste them. You really have to get it right before they go in the oven, in a sense. Well, a lot of people believe that, but in reality, if you think about it, you can actually bake one cookie from your batter and see if it's flavored the way you like it and if it spreads the way you like and if it, everything turns out right, because rather than bake them all at once and say, oh, I, oh that's not what I wanted, um, Try baking just one and make sure it's what you want. And then if it's not, make some adjustments before you um, bake the rest of them. Very good. Well, one of the things that your your, your book does is that it uh, is designed to be accessible and helpful uh, to experienced and inexperienced bakers alike. And uh, what's particularly helpful, I think, towards the beginning of the book is a section called Tips on Techniques, in which you uh, remind us about some some basic things to remember or uh, or some fairly basic questions which might uh, very commonly come up in the, in the in the course of of baking tell us about a couple of the most important of those 
Uh, I think the most important thing that home bakers should remember about cookies is you want to prevent the bottoms from burning. An awful lot of people have trouble with cookies that burn on the bottom, and the way you can prevent that is to use a light-colored pan and a pan that's thick enough. You don't want, you know, your grandmother's old black cookie sheet that's been around forever because it's just too thin and too dark. But if you do happen to have an older cookie sheet, um, and you don't want to get a new one, you just take some parchment paper and put it over that dark surface, and that'll help keep the cookie bottoms from burning. Very good. You talk about some terms which I'd never heard before. For instance, one called docking. Docking. It's it's just pricking with a fork is, is what it is. Ah, so there's a fancy term for that. There and, is. There's and, a professional term for that. <laughs> and what's the point of that? Uh, the point is with things like shortbread that bake all in one big uh, sheet to let the steam out from underneath. Otherwise, they buckle and heave in the middle and become uneven. Mm-hmm. You, you also talk about cutting in at one point. What, what kind of a term is that? Well, that's just like when you're making pie crust and you mix your Crisco or your butter into the flour. You're just taking and um, cutting the fat into smaller pieces within the flour without totally combining it with the flour. Mm-hmm. You just have to have, like, pea-sized chunks. Right. You you uh, talk us through uh, some of the most important tools, and of course it starts with the pans, and uh, it's kind of a dizzying array of possibilities, and uh, it's, it's something that people should not be careless about. Uh, it sounds like different pans are really much better equipped for certain kinds of cookies or certain kinds of baking. Uh, yes, I prefer a, a, a shiny aluminum cookie sheet, and fairly uh, heavy, not not very lightweight, because again, that's what promotes burning is if you have a cookie sheet on the bottom rack of your oven and it's, and it's pretty lightweight, you might burn the cookie bottoms. Um, but you can you can get cookie sheets without edges, which makes it easy to get the cookies on and off, or you can get cookie sheets with kind of a pebble surface, which makes them nonstick. You can get nonstick cookie sheets. And the one kind I really don't recommend are the, the um, insulated ones with two layers and air between, because I find that they dry out the cookies before they um, brown the bottoms. Hmm. So they, I don't think they work very well. Hmm. The heart and soul of the book is uh, taken up with nine essential types of cookies. Tell us how the folks at King Arthur came up with this list. Well, we're mostly all bakers here, and we sat around and um, asked one another, what, what's your favorite kind of cookie to bake? What do you bake most often? And we did that throughout the company. And then we all have friends and family, too, so we kind of did it on the outside, too, and those are the cookies that people either baked the most or wanted to bake. So those, you know, the, the typical chocolate chip and oatmeal and sugar and peanut butter, but then there's also biscotti because there is seem to be a lot of people that say, I love biscotti and I want to be able to bake them. I don't want to buy them. Mm. And then the decorated cookies, you know, everybody at least once a year has to do cutouts and decorate them, so. Very good. And as you, uh, in the introduction, talk about these these uh, nine essential types of, of cookies, uh, then you go on to say that what's, what's especially wonderful about this kind of cooking, this kind of baking, is that there's really a, a, a marvelous array of, of variations possible within each one of those. There is not one way to make chocolate chip cookies, for instance. Well, that's that's why I wanted to, to do that first chapter with the essentials in it, because Surely someone in your family will like a chewy oatmeal cookie and someone else wants a crisp one and someone else wants a crunchy one and someone wants raisins and not nuts. And, you know, it goes on and on and on with these familiar cookies. So why not provide the recipe for all of those different types rather than just have to settle on one? 
Exactly. Um, I want to talk in particular about uh, the the chapter that's especially appropriate for this time of year. You, devout, you uh, devote a number of pages to decorated cookies. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's probably a, a few mistakes get, that get made along the way in, in, in the haste to uh, take care of everything that, that uh, occupies us during the, the holidays. But uh, what are some of the most important things people need to remember if they want to bake cookies that are going to be decorated somehow? I think you want to roll them um, the right thickness, which is usually between an eighth and a quarter of an inch thick, because thicker than that, they're going to be chewy and kind of cakey, and thinner than that, they might burn. The other thing is to be sure to have the dough at the right temperature, which is cool, but not ice cold, because if it's icy cold and you've made them with butter, then then it's not going to roll very well. And there are certain tricks you can do, like if you have a very delicate dough, you can roll it right on the um, a cookie sheet with outsides or on the back of a clean cookie sheet. And then rather than try to transfer those delicate cookies onto another cookie sheet, you just leave them there and take the scraps out from between them and bake them right mm. like that. And another thing you can do is actually um, roll the dough out ahead of time when you're not so busy and uh, put it on a piece of parchment and put it on a cookie sheet and freeze it and um, then do a number of of pieces of dough like that, and you can take them out one at a time or however many you want, and it's all rolled out and ready to go and ready to cut. Mm -hmm. Um, Compare this chapter, then, to something else, which is shaped cookies, which sounds like something kind of fun. And the shaped cookies are things that you would, for instance, um, stuff or fill or roll out and then, like, rugula, roll up, so they're, they're a little bit more involved than just the simply um, cut-out cookies. So I'm trying to remember the difference between so, batter cookies and shaped cookies so <laughs> in it's, my mind. Here. So it's kind of a, it's, it's cookies where, where a little bit of sculpture is almost involved. I mean, as a yeah. potter work, working with clay, that's, that would be the kind of thing that we're talking uh, about. Not sculpture so much, but that you're taking two, two doughs and rolling them together to make pinwheels and then slicing them. Things like that. So manipulating shape in some really right. fun sorts of ways. Right. Shape and fillings. Now, what are these recipes that, that we find in, in the book? And there are quite a lot of them. Where did the recipes, by and large, come from? Well, I started out uh, by looking at, believe it or not, my grandmother's recipe box. And I'm from Wisconsin, and she's from Wisconsin also. And so I have some very old Wisconsin cookie recipes in here. I wanted to make sure they got preserved. And after that, I went into the King Arthur archives. We have a lot of cookie recipes and also asked all the people that work here, which is over 150 people, send me your best cookie recipes. And um, we just collect an awful lot of recipes and ended up testing, um, baking over 20,000 cookies and picking out the best um, probably 400-plus recipes that we enjoyed. So even an expert like you, you do not necessarily just look at a recipe and know that it's worthy of inclusion in a book like oh, this. Oh, you have to test everything. And you have to test, it's surprising, you have to test things that you think are perfect and you've made in the past. You still have to test them because ingredients are always changing just a little bit, you know, and you want to make sure that you're right up to date with the ingredients that are currently available. Hmm. I was going to ask you what it's like to take out, for instance, your great-grandmother's uh, oatmeal cookie recipe from uh, 1890. Uh, I mean, is it is it possible to use 
uh, recipes from long, long ago, uh, or, or are there apt to be uh, differences in the way we bake or the ingredients available where, where one has to make some adjustments? It's absolutely possible, and it's a lot of fun. The only, the only problem is for um, some people, and actually for a lot of people, is a lot of those old recipes had no directions. They just had ingredients. So I guess back then you were expected to know what to do with those ingredients. But oh, really? you'll find that just a listing of ingredients, period, that's it. And you have to know you cream the butter and the sugar and you add the flour and things like that. But a lot of the recipes are surprisingly similar to what we're baking today, especially with those those cookies like oatmeal and molasses and sugar that are, are kind of the classics. Hmm. Uh, so tell us at least one of the recipes which come from the great state of Wisconsin that you wanted to include in this book. Uh, it was not sure what they're called. They're called Nora's Date Stuffed Cookies, I think is how they're listed. But mm. it was my, my great-aunt Nora from Dalyville, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. which is south of Madison. Right. And um, she used to make these these wonderful cookies with a date stuffing, and, and my mother grew up on them and always raved about Aunt Nora's date stuffed cookies. So I included those, and that recipe I know is over 80 years old. Wow. So she lives on, uh, or her legacy lives on. Her legacy in, lives on in the pages of this uh, of, the, mm-hmm. of this wonderful book. I suppose uh, the the biggest problem is that even with a book that's uh, some five hundred pages long, uh, there's just not room for everything. No, that's right. There's <laughs> plenty of cookies that didn't make it in, and and we were happy to to just go through and pick the very best ones. But I think we probably have enough recipes to do another cookie book. Very good. Uh, quick word about a couple of sort of modern. Uh, innovations. Uh, one of the things, of course, which, which a lot of people make use of are, are, are substitutes for sugar, uh, various kinds of artificial sweeteners. Mm-hmm. Uh, do people have to be careful about that in baking cookies, and, and uh, what would your advice for them be? Uh, my advice would be try it once and see how it works. I think the, the best one you would try would be either Splenda or there's Equal has come out with a, 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 a comparable product to Splenda. And I think some cookies it may work in, and a lot of cookies it won't, because any place where sugar is important for the texture of the cookie, those sweeteners aren't going to work. So um, we haven't done a lot of testing with the artificial sweeteners yet, so I, I can't say one way or the other that it's going to work in this one and not in that one. So I'd say cautiously try it once and see what happens. Do people need to stick with butter when it's called for in a recipe, or... Are there at least some kinds of margarine that will give you a, a, a decent substitute? You can use margarine as long as it's a full-fat margarine and not, you know, one of the light margarines. Um, you won't have the same flavor, but it'll basically do the same thing in your cookies. But what what you don't want to substitute one for the other is shortening and butter because they have different melting points and the cookies will spread very differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found out uh, in, after reading your book that I have expensive taste because my f- favorite flavor is vanilla. And uh, somewhere ah. you mentioned the fact that vanilla is just about the most uh, expensive of all spices or, or natural flavorings. It actually is the most expensive now because they, they've had five years of terrible crops where they grow vanilla. It's too bad. They've, it's just the price has skyrocketed because of the monsoons they've had in the growing areas. So, um, yes, it is very expensive. but certain, and, get, and getting more expensive. Then. And, and getting more expensive. But um, 
I've seen a few things on the market. They're vanilla blends, and they're a little bit less expensive. So it's it's like getting a blended wine rather than a varietal wine. It, it is a little less expensive, but still good. So you might look for those on your supermarket shelf. Hmm. Finally, uh, a lot of us might remember a, a, a hilarious episode of Everybody Loves Raymond, where Raymond is sent to the grocery store trying to be helpful, but he screws up baking soda and baking powder. Oh, yeah. Someplace in the book, although I can't lay my hands on it, uh, you explain what each of these are, uh, the difference between them, and why they're both important to bakers. Mm-hmm. Tell, tell us what each of them are, and, and, uh, and then help us not confuse them. Uh, baking soda actually is, is uh, a component of baking powder, and baking soda is a base and you got to go back to chemistry here, and in order to work, it has to be combined with an acid. And what baking powder is, is take baking soda, the base, and combine it with an acid, which is, is um, usually some kind of citric acid, and then also a little bit of cornstarch as a buffer so that the two don't just go to war immediately. Mm. And um, baking soda, when it's when it's combined with a liquid, will start working immediately. So it's important if you, you're using a, a recipe with baking soda to get your cookies in the oven quite soon. And um, baking powder, usually it's called double acting, which is called that because it reacts with the liquid, but it also reacts with the oven heat so that you, it's a little more flexible to use as a leavener. This really is a matter of science, isn't it, among, yeah, but, among other things? Yeah, you don't have to know your science. You just have to follow the directions. But if you want to know your science, it's in this book. You can read all about it. Very good. The book, again, is called The King Arthur Flower Cookie Companion, The Essential Cookie Cookbook. It's published by The Countryman Press in Woodstock, Vermont. And P.J. Hamill, uh, an editor with uh, the King Arthur Flower Company, joining us today on The Morning Show. P.J. Hamill, we, uh, we thank you so much for joining us today. I enjoyed the book, and I'm sure our listeners enjoyed our conversation. And we Great. thank you so much. Great. You're welcome, Greg.